welcome to the DDP podcast channel. We sincerely hope you will enjoy this episode. Don't forget to turn on your notification bell and to follow us right here on Spotify for more podcast episodes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're joining us today. Thank you so much and welcome back to DDP Podcasts. What an exciting segment we have for you today. Today we are discussing a crisis in political participation with Thos Paman Lamshongo, a colleague, and I am very excited to have him here to discuss this um, very pertinent topic right now in our society. Um, you know, there are long decades in history which seem to slow crawl and where elections are won and lost, laws are adopted and repealed, new stars are born and legends carry to the graves. But for all the ordinary business of time passing, the large stars of culture, society and politics kind of remain the same. Then there are those short years in which everything changes all at once. Political newcomers come out onto the stage Voters clamor for policies that were unthinkable until yesterday. Social tensions that had long simmered under the surface erupt, terrifying explosions. A system of government that had uh, seemed immutable looks as though it might come apart. And this is the kind of moment in which we find ourselves. And this moment in which we discuss a crisis in political participation. Uh, Pramantla, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, how do you feel about political participation and everything else in the sun? Thank you. Thank you very much, Yanga, for the invite. I'm glad to have finally made the list of people. Uh, I've seen the caliber of, of, of guests that you've had on, on, on the podcast, and I'm very excited for the sort of content that's been generated as a result thereof. So at least there's that one part where we have a glimmer of hope from individuals as well as organizations such as yourself and the organization which you function for. Um, but also we, I'm, I'm a bit um, nervous about the political moment that we find ourselves in as a country. Um, there's been a lot of reflection of late about the potential for the July unrest to, to see itself happening again. Um, as you would remember, the July unrest was a period in time in 2021, where um, over the course of July, there were a number of um, civil unrest that were happening, which resulted in quite a lot of looting, um, mass looting in very many industries um, across the country, um, particularly um, in KwaZulu-Natal, in Durban centrally, as well as in Wurzburg, but also in Gauteng. Um, which uh, the effects of that unrest left a lot of uh, sort of economic turmoil, um, people unemployed, uh, people don't have access to basic necessities. Um, and so given the, the, the sort of moment that we find ourselves in now, it's also quite sort of scary considering that a lot of the, 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 the small issues that were coming up at the time are still coming up now. They don't seem to have been resolved adequately, but we also have the added pressure of um, the war in Ukraine impacting, for instance, um, our economic environment. And as a result, then it means that we have a lot more to account for as a government, but also as a people in terms of dealing with the, the, the everyday necessities, um, the, the increasing petrol prices, which has a knock-on effect on the other costs distributed the way people live. Of course, um, we also know that people's salaries haven't gone up, and so that all of that pressure is mounting. So whilst on the one hand, we are excited by organizations and work that organizations are doing, um, there's still a lot of nervousness and, 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 a, and a sense of being scared about the potential moment that we might find ourselves in. 
we don't act quickly enough to resolve the, the, the basic issue that people are confronting. All right, I want us to, to um, take this back a little bit to the, to the basics. Um, the first of which is, what is political participation? Um, and counter to that question, is it limited to democracy? So political participation essentially would be, what are the things that people are engaged with in order to uh, sort of advance their own values, systems, their own ideals, um, and to try and create an opportunity for those ideas um, to be exchanged with others so that there's some sense of compromise and, 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 and discussion. Um, generally how that would have functioned or how that generally would have functioned in the past is an affiliation to a movement and affiliation to a political party. Um, your affiliation to that movement slash that political party means that you identify with that political party's um, ideology, you identify with what they intend to um, do out in society. And as a result, um, because of your potential support of that political party or movement or organization, you'd also then, um, when the opportunity presents itself, if polls available, at least in a democratic sense, to go out there and give your mandate to those individuals to represent you in that space. Um, so your question around what 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 is it and can it, does it only exist in a democracy um, is, is sort of a twofold response. The one is it also isn't just an affiliation to a political party or movement in the general sense of becoming a member. Um, the ways in which we write and speak about um, um, ideology, the way in which we engage with um, um, popular media, as it were, um, and the analysis thereof is, is, is also a form of, of, of political participation. Um, additionally, then, um, the, 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 the ways in which we give mandates is different based on the, 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 the sort of regime that governments have chosen. Um, in, in most instances, uh, political participation is valued more in a democracy like ours where it's representative in nature. So it's important to canvas the views um, and the opinions of society in order to be able to be um, an adequately informed leader. So the way in which your, your mandate is, is fulfilled then is based on the and what, what people themselves actually want out of the system. If we don't have the ability to engage with what people's thoughts and and perspectives are in a genuine sense, um, the mandate with which you lead with um, is compromised, or at least in, in the sense of, of, of representative democracies. Um, you're not leading from the perspectives from which people would want you to engage with. So as a result, um, it becomes important then to try and canvas for those views. Those views are not just canvassed um, um, in, 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 in the formal spaces in political parties, but there's also various types of medias that we've just started to be engaged with, at, at least at this point. Um, insofar as political participation happening outside of, of, of democracies and representative democracies, that also happens. And quite often that political participation then is, is considered the opposing regime or people who, want, who might want to topple the regime. Um, or, or most instances, it's actually um, conducted by civil society organizations whose value uh, continues to be important regardless of what sort of um, uh, leadership regime you might be a part of. So for instance, if you remember, oh well, if, if you remember at least historically, um, the, the ways in which um, the apartheid government, part of the ways in which the apartheid government was toppled over, it wasn't just the existence of um, alternative voices in the form of political parties, but civil society was an important stakeholder of this. 
labor union was an important stakeholder stakeholder of the of, of, of the movement um, towards achieving the sort of democracy democratic gains that we have now and so as a result um, it's important that we, we we consider political participation not just as an affiliation to a political party but all of these other sectors that 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 contribute so so significantly to the space um, okay, so we understand it as political participation um, goes beyond just the black and white of people going to go vote at the poll station. It reaches out into the civic society and it plays a ginormous role regarding that. Um, why should we use the word crisis then to describe uh, political participation? And perhaps this is semantics. Um, instead of using a word, let's say, threat or a word like there's a decline. Why specifically this word crisis? I think the so 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 as like a, a the word crisis has been used in 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 various spaces to define the current moment to define ourselves in because people are concerned that should we not have a a, a significant change in turnout um, because it's been re in response primarily to people not coming out to vote. Um, and what that means for the legitimacy of the, of, of the current government or the current system of governance rather. Um, and so if people don't turn out to vote, um, there's a crisis in the sense that we don't know what people are, are, are thinking. And so the, the likelihood of a July unrest happening again uh, means that we, we don't have the, the necessary intel to be able to deal with people's uh, core needs as a result thereof, um, because people aren't joining enough political parties, there isn't sufficient democratic debate inside of political parties themselves. The ways in which people uh, choose um, groupings um, might be counterproductive to the ways in which we want to uh, surface certain levels of information and, and conversation at least. Um, and so the, the use of the word crisis, at least insofar as we're concerned, is questioning whether this crisis is legitimate or not. Um, and it's important that we, we question things like this. The, our language, um, even in the space of civil society and academia, um, is important, is an important place for us to start whenever we start to engage around what people's needs um, and what people's thoughts and perspectives are in respect of our, of our democratic dispensation. Um, quite often, um, the jargon is sometimes quite emotive um, and, and, and does have the tendency to paint a picture to be far worse than it might actually be. Um, and, and I think that, that, that at least in, in that perspective, in painting out voter turnout, people have been concerned that this might lead us to some sort of crisis. Um, the unfortunate thing is we've already had multiple examples of um, civic um, unrest in, in our country, or at least um, uh, uh, points at which we can point to to say, this has been, th these issues are bubbling under. Are we not responsive enough? Uh, are institutions not responsive enough? Are political parties not responsive enough? Or is civil society also having a role to play in the way in which uh, communities feel unheard um, in, in, the, in, the, in the large sense of things? You know, I think um, participation um, and the nature of it today um, is, is definitely gradually changing and the narrative regarding it um, it's almost kind of like a push against the traditional norms in which people don't feel as though they are heard like that. And so then the alternative that they kind of go into is 
um, the other ways of participating in a democracy, which usually are a bit more violent in nature or a bit more aggressive in nature, you know, through protests, um, et cetera. And I mean, that's not just a phenomenon that's just limited to South Africa. We can see it right now with um, the fight against SCOTUS in America and the abortion laws that have just been passed there. We can see it as well in the UK currently with the labor picketing that's currently going on, all the way to France, all the way to, you know, basically the rest of Africa, the entire world. Um, the idea of, of participation, um, there's almost like this need for it to be a bit more aggressive than just um, going to a poll station and voting and waiting for outcomes to come out of it. Um, with that being said, uh, why do you think that political participation is important? And do you think the nature of expression of that participation is important regarding how people um, receive the benefits of democracy? Yeah, so there's a definite sense that um, all of the forms of participation that you've outlined just now are legitimate forms of political participation. The difficulty is marrying that uh, those forms of political participation with, with some sort of institutional response. Um, quite often, um, we have the ability to, to, to pick it, we have the ability to, to, to write as many um, open letters um, and opinion pieces as we want, but we want to also get to a point where that has a real um, impact on the sort of political um, and institutional response that we have in, 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 in a number of our countries. In, quite, in many instances, the unfortunate part, at least in, in, South, Africa's, in South Africa's case, we've had, um, for instance, the photos that happened a couple of years ago in response to gender-based violence and femicide in this country. Um, but the political response seems to be placating uh, the different constituencies as opposed to uh, creating genuine um, uh, shifts in policy, genuine shifts in implementation of those policies. And as a result, people feel frustrated. And um, as, the, as, as, as the protest capital of the world, it's clear that the issues, um, people are raising them in, in, in more genuine ways, but it doesn't seem that there's genuine institutional responsiveness as a result of those, those mechanisms. So for me, in relation to public political participation, it's about how do we take those forms that are non-traditional um, and create mechanisms uh, for genuine uh, institutional responses that will actually yield to some sort of change for communities. Because quite in, in, in many instances, at least in this country, um, there have been calls even for, to say for instance, um, a mass stay away from the, from the polls, for instance, is, is, is also a genuine form of, of political participation. Um, but does it yield any real effect? Because ultimately, even if five, 10 people show up, at least in terms of the, the, the current laws, um, there's no idea, indication of what the threshold ought to be. Um, we currently have uh, less than 50% of this country deciding who the, the government of the day is, um, because those are the people that end up turning up to the polls and actually casting a vote. Um, is that something that we should feel comfortable with? And, and that's where the words such as threats and crisis keep on um, coming up in relation to this, this concept of political participation. Do you think then that the current, um, let's say peaceful political participation means that are available um, are accessible to everybody? Because it does kind of sound like there is um, a ginormous gap between um, education of a full idea of what democracy actually is for our people 
um, versus how our people actually express themselves. And I think, you know, our apartheid history has definitely played a big role in that, in that in order for you to express yourself, usually underneath that particular regime, um, the only means of participation that you really did have was going out in the streets, protesting, you know, having the uh, boycotting um, certain places. And now we're here, we're in this transition. Um, do you think that, uh, particularly for the young people as well, do you think that that has been somewhat of a trait that has been inherited um, from the past? And also that gap in education regarding uh, political participation um, and how it actually affects people. What, what do you think about that? I, I think that's that's a that's a genuine there's a genuine sense that people don't feel ownership of our democracy and 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 its instruments. Um, we've heard over um, at least the past ten years or so people talking about we don't know this constitution. This constitution is not ours. Who decided on it? Um, especially in relation to some of the, 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 the more politically um, uh, trite sort of uh, excerpts of the constitution as it relates to land expropriation and so forth. Um, so people saying there's, there's no real sense of ownership over the, the, the constitution, but also the instruments to which um, give effect to the constitution and the work of government or the work of the state rather. And as a result, um, it's, it's true that uh, a lot of the work of educating people about what democracy means, what political participation in a democracy means, um, has not been consistently done, but also um, it, 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 it's also devoid of the understanding that this accessibility is also a genuine question and, and it's real in the sense that um, access to certain institutions requires um, financial muscle, access to certain institution, institutions requires a, a level of sophistication of language um, and not just like English Zulu Afrikaans, but like language insofar as the jargon that those institutions themselves engage with. Um, when we talk about expropriation, what does it mean in, in, in someone who is not based in an urban area, for instance, um, who has not engaged with the politics of land um, in, 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 in sort of academic sense? And so as a result, the, our, 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 our democracy might be too sophisticated um, for the, 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 the ordinary Joe on the streets to, to, to feel like um, they have an entitlement or ownership over. And, and then it becomes a case of black, white, class divide, um, the rich, the haves and the haves nots. And so when we are able to discourse and talk about things in the way in which we are right now, we must also be conscious of who we're excluding in that discourse. And as a result, um, it's important for instances of genuine civic education to actually happen outside of the, um, the, the, the more urban and metropolitan spaces. And so that's, that's also why we try as much as possible to branch out and go into as many areas as possible. But also when you do go into those, those areas, be conscious that the ways in which you engage um, about the subject matter that you have for the day might not be the priority for that community and be willing to adjust as a result thereof because political participation doesn't end in, as I said earlier, affiliation to a political party or affiliation to a movement, but it's also about what are the basic necessities that individuals have at that point in time? How do we use the systems that we have in place in order to ensure that it, it, these things are accessible and they are they are fairly distributed and just, 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 
justice is 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 is, is something that's seen as a, as as a result thereof. So when we talk about food justice, when we talk about uh, economic justice, um, all of these things need to be felt in a genuine way. And, and so um, whilst we might have commissions, commissions seem to be a level above that level of, 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 of inquiry, that level of accountability doesn't seem to speak to the needs of people on the ground to actually want to see someone in prison. People want to see real effects in the same way in which they experience the law acting against them. They'd want to see someone who has held the previous position of power um, once they've been said to be done some, to be doing something wrong to actually feel the might of the law as it were so that we can actually start to feel equal and be a, like a part of that system. Sure, I think uh, a pretty recent example um, that touches on, on what you're saying about how um, just because we're having this discourse here and the issues that are priority to us um, doesn't mean that there would be the same priority to someone, let's say, that's living in Maktubini in the Eastern Cape, right? Um, or somewhere at Nyanga in the Western Cape where the neighborhood is so high in crime that issues regarding land are not necessarily the biggest thing behind people's, you know, minds in that moment. Um, and I think a very recent uh, footage that was released of Ian Cameron and Minister Pekitele um, and that exchange over there where you had a person from civic society saying that the concerns um, of the state are so often politicized that it excludes the actual interests of the public and what the people actually want and creates kind of like this disillusionment of the reality that people face every day and that reality being in that particular context crime and that being the biggest thing that needed to be fought against and in fact in that situation it was more civic society that stepped in in a role that is supposed to be mandated by um, police or particularly the state in that particular circumstance um, so I think the one last, I guess, heavy question I want to ask you is how um, can civic society and the state balance each other out for full political participation? Yeah, um, I, I think that that sort of discourse that we saw online was, was interesting, specifically because um, if you look at the, the nature of the work that's being undertaken by that civic um, uh, uh, society organization it's it's policing work it's meant to be done um and 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 it's interesting because yes we want people to do more for their communities but at what point do we do we do we sort of say um let gov this is the point at which governments should start taking over and i think um it's imp it's important for us to, to talk about that specifically because um, there are instances where government should be asked to do more, and there are instances where civil society should also be willing to step up and, and do a bit of that as well. Um, and so what's, what's, what's important in this instance is that in some, in, in most instances, um, civil society, we don't have the same level of accountability as government and elected officials might have, or, or, or at least elected representatives, but also officials that are deployed by those elected representatives. So in relation to policing, in the, in, in, in the instance that a civil society organization does work that relates to policing, what are the, the governing procedures around, around which um, that civil society organization needs to be held? Um, what happens when something goes wrong? Who then becomes accountable? Is it the absence of the police or is it because this guy stepped in um, when the police wasn't available? Should 
and and what so so there's a myriad of issues in relation to that but essentially um what 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 needs to be happening more is we need to have more um, genuine conversations between government and 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 civil society and when i mean genuine conversations is that we don't just want to have a situation where we invite a minister to come speak to us for an hour and then leave um which is something similar to my, what might have happened at vet for instance but it's about when you are in a space where you're engaging with a society, civil society organizations, um, or students and so forth, when you are offered an opportunity for genuine accountability, um, speak genuinely, reflect and engage genuinely. Um, the fact that we've let politicians in particular um, uh, sort of increase their level of, um, what's the word, importance um, through our vote doesn't mean that they should now be divorced and 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 sort of looked at or put on a higher pedestal than than they than they ought to be. Um, they need to be willing to engage with the the issues that communities are confronted with. And I think part of the work that that part of the frustration is the failure of our parliamentary system, at least insofar as its constituency work is concerned. Um, so par parliamentarians uh, at national assembly in particular need to be uh, uh, manning constituency offices. If you were to, if I were to ask some, some, some of our fellow, even in civil society, who in their area is meant to be the MP that's assigned to that constituency, we don't even know that name. But we also have some, 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 some faith, at least insofar as that constituency conversation is concerned, because of the potential for the Electoral Amendment Act to come into place, where we are allowing independent candidates to start um, constituting the National Assembly and some of the um, uh, other elected uh, positions. And so as a result, um, there's a greater likelihood, or at least there's a sense that there's a greater likelihood that we'll have more face time with our elected representatives as opposed to relying on a political party to deploy individuals to come in at face time with us. Because what we've seen is that um, people are disgruntled as a result of not having sufficient face time. That face time that happens is a tick box exercise. It doesn't actually go to the heart of accountability. It doesn't go to the heart of transparency. And as a result, people don't feel adequately represented, but they also don't feel respected by the political representatives they have in the space. And so when it comes to political uh, uh, participation, um, sometimes people feel like we are endorsing a system that's already failing us. And so in order to divorce ourselves from the system, we will withhold the only thing that the system requires of us, and that is our, uh, our participation and affiliation. If we choose to not become a members of political parties, if we choose to not show up on election day, which one, there's a budget for the, the work of the IEC that's being spent, there's a budget for the, the, the rallies that political parties would have undertaken, um, there's a budget for all of those manifesto um, proceedings that, that are ha happening. So there's a real sort of um, uh, waste of money because politicians choosing not to see us um, when in instances when we as citizens are asking for them to engage with, engage us better. So civil society has done a lot of that work, unfortunately, over the past couple of years um, to try and, and do civic education, to try and do opportunities for uh, communities to actually participate in the um, uh, uh, legislative process, for instance, when it comes to the ways in which we create laws, there's space for civil society and individuals to, to make public comment. Those instances don't reach the necessary communities. In some instances, for instance, when it comes to the Electoral Amendment Act, uh, Eteguini wasn't even a constituency that was assigned for the public hearings. 
how do you leave out such, an, such a big municipality, for instance, for, for, for such an important undertaking? Um, when we watched those, uh, th th those, those feedback sessions that were happening in the various constituencies, we saw that political parties were playing a dangerous game where it seemed to have been scripted. They sent, and, and sent individuals who were speaking the same thing all across the, pro the, the country. And it's like, but okay, so public participation isn't a thing that you guys value in a genuine sense. And so um, when we talk about institutional failures, those are some of the institutional failures that we've seen. Those are some of the things that we, we'd like to fix. Um, civil society has also gone to great lengths to try and capacitate government about the work that is, it itself is meant to do. It's not like government doesn't have the budget for, 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 for capacity building, by the way. They have all of the money, um, but it seems that because we're, as a civil society, also noticing that there are gaps, we're trying to plug a lot of those gaps. One thing, a note of caution for us as civil society is that we must, we must be wary of the capacity that we're providing um, or the positions with which, uh, with, with which we're coming into communities, at least, um, that we are not the supermen and women uh, of those communities. The communities have the capacity to be self-sufficient. It's about empowering them or at least putting them in the space where they um, um, have the ability to exercise their own agency. We don't have the legitimacy to exercise agency on their behalf. We need to be willing to take a step back and be accountable for some of our misgivings as well as society organizations and hold each other to account. Um, I think um, because of the absence of greater public accountability for civil society organizations, it's important that we undertake the work ourselves to hold each other as civil society organizations accountable. You might have seen um, some work from the ground up, for instance, about um, the Social Justice Coalition (SJC) in Cape Town uh, about some of the allegations of corruption that have been that have been um, aimed at some of the, the the high leadership of the of that structure. SJC is meant to be serving a constituency um, that is based in the larger Cape Flats area, Nyanga, and and so forth, and Kailicha, and, and so forth, um, and is, is has been the bane of the um, the Cape Town the Cape Town government's uh, side for for a long time. Um, they've done amazing work over the, over the years, but of course, if you have a stint on your on on your on your reliability on your on 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 your honor like that, it becomes important that um, we we deal with that as, as decisively as possible. But also, the rest of civil society is seen to be to be a part of that solution as opposed to just sitting back and letting things unfold, because that's ultimately what what politicians will look at and say to use to discredit. Um, any interventions that are, that are done by civil society in those instances. And so there might be more examples. And so if the mention of SJC is limiting, um, it's important that we also look at um, a number of, of, of different areas um, where civil society itself can start to mend and create opportunities for building trust. Um, part of political participation is the restoration of trust between communities, the institutions, but also with civil society. Um, in order to uh, ensure um, greater levels of participation for the future. Oh my goodness, there's so much that you said there that I wish we could explore <laughs> in like a completely different um, podcast from the role of government, um, you know, in terms of what it means for public servitude in terms of them to the role of civic education, um, to the idea of the power of representation, because it is an exchange in a way, and one suddenly has become elevated than the other. Those are all very intense, um, and in my head, running through it here, you know, political philosophy ideas. 
um, that we don't have time for today. But just in the last uh, minute or so, um, since we're talking about the role of civic education and what it is all about, the 14th of July is a very important date for us at DDP. Um, we have our political summit coming up. Would you just share with the people what it is, what they can expect, um, and yeah, how this conversation will actually be twofold than this? Yes, definitely. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to hosting um, uh, attendees and delegates at our political summit that will be happening um, on the 14th of July, 2022. Um, the, the one that's happening this year is uh, the fourth in a series that we've held for the past uh, sort of four years or so. And ultimately, the political summit is about uh, taking these concepts that are very charged, uh, very loaded, um, such as political participation and trying to unpack them um, and making them more accessible for different with different constituencies. And we have academics, we have with the Independent Electoral Commission as, as an electoral management body um, to be able to talk to us about that. We have organizations such as Livonia Council who are going to be in the space to, buy, to be able to try and unpack some of these things. But also importantly, we centered some of these conversations very uh, deeply in community such as Umlazi, as well as Nduzuma, Elimbelani, um, and we'll be talking about what it means um, for the political moment that we find ourselves in where we have such rampant um, uh, uh, sort of uh, poor voter turnout, but also um, um, people just sort of not participating in the party political space. Um, yes, we've seen a lot of political parties mushrooming up over the years or so, um, but it, it's also clear that a, a, a significant majority of them aren't coming from um, new faces. It's all of the same faces that are deciding to form new political movement because they might not be winning the dominant narrative inside their own political party. So at least that's a space at which we're going to have um, at the political summit. That's going to be uh, both at Elangeni as well as our remote venues in Umnazi and Tuzuma. But we'll also be streaming it live on on Zoom as well as our Facebook page uh, as Democracy Driven. Awesome! Thank you so much, Tamando, for joining us for today's podcast session. Um, as you had mentioned, you can attend this event over our Zoom platform, or you can check it out on our Facebook Live. The link to it, along with his incredible bio, is attached to the description of this podcast. Um, just in case you were wondering who is the stranger that's talking about all these things. Um, you can check it out right over there. Otherwise, Pamela, thank you so much for joining us today. Really do appreciate it. And to the DDP podcast community, until next time. Well, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out our social media pages at DDP underscore democracy to engage with more of our content. Or you can head on over to our website at ddp.org.za to keep up with any events that we might have planned for you. Thank you once again for joining us.